being comfortable in our own body, I think it's just like loving yourself. You're confident with who you are, uh -huh. who you are as a person. That you don't think you're like ugly and you love yourself, yeah. even though you might be big or small. When I was young, the perfect body image was supposed to be 34, 24, 34. Remember that? It took a long time to realize that I was never going to have a 24-inch waist. 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 Hey, this is your girl Mandy B and welcome yet again to another episode of Periodsis brought to you by none other than the official box owner. I kind of don't want to spend too much time introducing this week's topic because it is a longer episode than normal and I share more of my journey um, with weight loss with uh, a good friend of mine, Danny from the Lover's Coral podcast, who also happened to go through gastric uh gastric surgery like myself as the almost last resort to gain weight and feel comfortable in our bodies um and so we really dig into that in this episode and we talk about what our weight loss journeys look like what led us to going under the knife um to essentially lose the weight that we didn't feel like we could lose on our own and so without further ado, I definitely want y'all to get into this episode. Uh, there's a lot to be said for women by women. Women, 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 women. I'm super excited because this is a conversation many of you have asked for um, uh, amongst my many different platforms. And so I'm super excited to be having this conversation today with Danny from the Lover's Coral podcast. Hi, Danny. Thank you for joining me. Thank you for having me. Hello, world. Hey. So, <laughs> uh, of course, guys, many of you know that I um, underwent um, the gastric sleeve, mm -hmm. um, the vertical sleeve. There's a lot of different names for it, VSG. And um, over the last two years, I've shared my journey with losing about 80 pounds. So I went from at my height, 230 pounds to at my lowest, uh, 150. I, I have gained some back in quarantine. Um, same, same. But you, same, <laughs> but I'm going to be having this conversation because I think many of us do struggle with our weight, whether we are single or in a relationship. Um, and our guest today is actually in a relationship that she's been in since high school. Mm -hmm. uh, so it's her first, it's her everything. It is husband, correct? Yes. <laughs> it is. It is with the father of her first uh, child and only child as of right now, correct as, too? As of right now, yes. <laughs> as of right now. Um, and so before we get into what this weight loss journey looked like for you, uh, can we talk about maybe starting at the very point where maybe you did start gaining some weight and maybe it started affecting how you viewed yourself, maybe how you viewed yourself in your relationship and even how your partner viewed you? Well, um, you know, weight has been a struggle, a lifelong struggle for me. Um, but it really kind of reached a tipping point when I, um, not long after I had my daughter, um, I was already well overweight. Like, I think I was like 270 pounds when I got pregnant and then, you know, didn't gain a whole lot when I was pregnant, but then not long after I had my daughter, my, um, my father got sick and, um, 
he had stage four cancer and uh, subsequently passed away. So in like the span of one year, I had a baby and then lost my parents. So it just like took on, so I just ate everything in sight. Cause I was, you know, I was in grad school. I was a new mom. I was a teacher. I was a wife. And, you know, I did not like how I looked. I was like super uncomfortable in pretty much anything that had a zipper or a button. It felt like, and, you know, I didn't like how I looked. So I damn sure didn't feel comfortable. Like even being intimate with, with TJ, with my husband, because I'm just like, I don't like looking at me. So how could you possibly like looking at me? Um, which then of course, um, amongst Were those conversations, like, did you, did you ever open up to your partner? Um, or did he ever make you feel, um, as if you weren't beautiful, even though you were feeling that way? Like, Mm -hmm. was it a conversation you had with him? Um, we did have a few conversations, but it wasn't like a, it wasn't one of those, like, let's sit down. I'm, I'm going to tell you like how I feel. It was one of those things that kind of just kind of came out in like the natural, like flow of a, of an, probably an argument or just, you know, a discussion about something else. And it just kind of gets like, you know, sometimes you have like diarrhea in the mouth and you just kind of blurt it out. And I'm just like, yo, I don't feel comfortable. Like I hate it. And, you know, TJ was also, which did his very best to try and be like supportive of me. And he was like, I love you at your biggest. I love you at your smallest. Like, um, because there was a point in time, like when we got married, I was my smallest. I felt great. I looked great. And then like the weight kind of got put on and then it just really went out of, out of this world you know, once that 2017 rolls around. Um, so he tried, you know, and TJ had his own, you know, his own struggles with weight as well. And he, he tried to support me, but you know, it's one of the things when you living in your own head, it's really hard for anyone to convince you otherwise, you know? Oh, absolutely. Um, I remember, um, towards the height of my weight as well. I remember being with one of my partners and we went out to the club and, Of course, after the club, after a night of drinking, you know, you eat. Mm -hmm. And I remember, uh, I don't know, I think I told him I wanted, I don't know, like a steak burrito or some some shit. I mean, drunk food. And his response was like, are you sure you want that? Mm. And 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 he later, of course, made it seem like he just thought it would mess up my stomach because, you know, it was Mm -hmm. early in the morning. Like, is this really what you want? Mm -hmm. And. I, however, received it as, oh, do you want me to get a salad instead? Oh, do you think I'm fat? Do you not want me to order a burrito because you you think I need to, you know, slow it down? And I immediately felt attacked by something just like that. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So even you saying it was just, yeah. And, and of course, I was projecting. Um, and I think a lot of us do do that um, when we're not comfortable with our with our, with ourselves, with our bodies. Um, and so were you at all trying to lose it? Uh, I, I want to put this in air quotes, mm-hmm. the healthy, <laughs> natural way. So yes and no, because I would be like of a, of a mind of like, okay, you know, like most people are like Monday, I'm going to start better. We're going to like eat at home more often, more vegetables and fruits and I'm going to try and walk after after work or, you know, doing whatever. But I was high key kidding myself because my my mental wasn't there. Like I, I didn't have the the motivation. I was, you know, barely keeping my head above water when it came to just like balancing all of the responsibilities I had and my health and my well-being 
and my weight were just like the bottom of the list. And, you know, I would, I, you know, I talked to my doctor and I would, you know, of course he made all the same suggestions, like, you know, low calories and, you know, exercise and all that stuff. And then even, um, he had prescribed me some like weight loss pills basically, which they did help in like suppressing my appetite, but they weren't. Do you like, remember what, what the name of them were? Vivance. Cause okay. they were Vivance. It was cool because it did like suppress my appetite a little bit, but, um, and to me, the more added benefit was that it also gave you, I think he said it was like a medication that people who have ADHD also use. And so I used, it helped me focus. Like, so I would get a lot done, <laughs> but I would still like be like, well, I'm just going to grab some chips or, well, I'm a, you know what I mean? So it, it didn't do the, the job that it was meant for, except that I got, I was hella productive, but <laughs> it wasn't like making me the weight fall off or anything like that. So that's when like the conversation really came into place that TJ and I both had with our, we have the same primary care doctor about weight loss surgery. And so the conversation came about uh, weight loss surgery with you and your partner. Mm-hmm. Um, of course, he's not on here because we don't be talking to, to men no. on this show here. Not this time. Um, <laughs> but you definitely you definitely had a different experience with it than I did post-surgery. So mm-hmm. we'll get into that. But can you can you talk about what that conversation looked like before deciding to go through with with surgery to lose weight, um, what was the tipping point for that for you? Um, so for me, the tipping point was well, I guess it was a little bit twofold. So TJ got the like go ahead or the okay to start moving forward, with, like setting the, the steps to take a, to set a date for surgery because. Um, and I'm sure people might have asked you this, but like, you know, this is not just kind of like a drop of a dime. Like, okay, I decided I'm going to get the sleeve and I'm going to go in next week and get it. It's like a month long. It is. I believe. So I got, I went in, my primary gave me the, okay. So I went to, um, the hospital where would be performing my surgery. Mm-hmm. Um, and I got the, okay by my primary and everyone in October. Mm-hmm. And my date was not set until January. Mm-hmm. And I, it would only be set in January. And that date would only be held if I went through, oh my God, I think there was like 12 different tests, different mm-hmm. days. I had to meet with a psychologist, a nutritionist. Um, yes. Mm-hmm. So the process is long. This isn't, uh, Yes, an, an approved yes. Yes. So TJ got the automatic go. Did you not? So no, in the sense that TJ had the like the comorbidities, right? So he had sleep apnea and he had the high blood pressure already. So he, um, we we just the main thing we needed to have was this like documentation that we were like on some type of weight loss plan. So that so he. So neither he got approved first. So he ended up having his in June of 2019. I had mine in August of 2019. But um, the so that was so that's like that was the first tipping point. Like when at the end of 2018, beginning of 2019, we were like, okay, he got the approval to like keep to keep going. We just needed this one bit of documentation. I'm like, all right, that's number one. And then number two was just that like I I just kind of had this like come to Jesus moment. Well, also I will say this, I had like started, um, kind of tried to like get back into therapy too. So Mm -hmm. between those like shifts that I was trying to make, like within myself, I was like, all right, I need to really explore this because also in my mind, I'm like, if TJ gets this and I'm like, and he loses all this weight and I'm like, and I'm sitting here struggling. I'm like, I can't, there's going to be a, 
a shift. There's going to be like, a, it's going to be a struggle for me to watch if I didn't also do it, to watch him do it and lose the weight. And then I'm still sitting here struggling when I know I need this as well. And I'm just like, right. so we had that conversation about like how we're going to go forward with it. Plus like, obviously it's surgery. We have lives and jobs and a child. So we got to like make this, we got to plan this out. We got to be strategic about it. Right. And so, yeah. So those were like the, the conversation was more so around like, all right, you're approved. And, and our doctor thinks this is a good move for you. Let me follow up and see if this is a good thing for me too. And so I went to our doctor again and the conversation went pretty, you know, closely the same as the one with TJ, but it was like, you know, these are the things that you need to do in order to make sure like your insurance approves it. But I think you're a good candidate as well. Um, but, you know, the, at, at its core, I was miserable and I was unhappy and I wanted to not be that person for myself, but then also too for my daughter, for my family, because even like my, as much as I would try to put on a, a happy face, you know, the people who, who know and love me the most could often sense like uh, there was, I don't know how to explain it. Like maybe like, you know, my light was a little dim. And it's so funny because I actually had the opposite <laughs> uh, response from the people around me. Um, really? Even when I decided to do it, people were kind of shocked mm. um, because I was the happy-go-lucky, mm -hmm. funny person in the room. I made sure I spoke to everyone. Um, my weight, I, I didn't allow to project or kill the mood in how I uh, interacted socially, mm -hmm. um, but it was definitely more of an internal struggle for me, mm -hmm. especially being um, here in New York. Mm -hmm. To me, I remember the thing that I struggled with the most was when the temperature started dropping and boots not going up past my ankle yep. and not being able, like literally it being 40 degrees outside and me literally having the option of leggings to throw on. Mm -hmm. And so it was like, Oh, and then of course you're layering. So I'm feeling twice as big mm -hmm. because I'm having to put on layers and layers of clothes. And, and so to me, that's where I struggled in shopping. I was like, Whoa, I'm really a one X or I'm not fitting what I think I can fit. And mm -hmm. me just feeling completely miserable, even when it came to me buying clothes. I hated so, shopping. I, I mean, I still don't ugh. like, I, I still don't love shop. Well, I take that back. I don't like shopping in person. I'm an online shopper by heart, by heart and trade. But, um, you know, I think about my, so one of my like also moments of like in public. So TJ and I were, you know, before COVID, you know, we would travel and there was, um, you know, the last few trips that we took, um, before the surgery and being just being on the plane and it's just like having that uh, the that plane those seats mm -hmm. aren't really for people and mind you again guys I mean and a lot of people have seen and met me I was only 230 and I remember like the the armrest on the seat not really going like like sitting on my hip because <laughs> yep, if you have hips it's it's a problem it's a problem, right? Yeah. So even even a smaller person, even if you're like curvy, period, it doesn't have to do necessarily the number on the scale. But for me, it was like, I just remember having like my heart, you know, in my, in my butt. Like, I remember we went to Vegas for New Year's at the end of, I guess, 2017 or 2018. I can't even remember at this point. 2017, I think. And 
I remember like being on that flight terrified because I'm like, am I going to have to, for, for the first time in my life, ask for an extender? And and then I'm sitting next to TJ and it's just like, you, I had that feeling of like, people don't want to sit next to us because we're this big couple. And so on one hand, it was like kind of like a gift and a, a, a blessing because I'm like, well, shit, I don't want to sit next to nobody either, you know, have some space in between us. But at the same time, it's like in my mind, I'm like, I wonder if people felt like looked at us like, or looked at me like, yeah, I don't want to be stuck between them off flight. And oh no! So that like that's the stuff that was running through my head in the years, like the the two years that led before I got the surgery, because I had gotten so big and I just didn't feel comfortable in my own skin. Period. And and see, outside of the plane situation, um, I'll share one more thing before we get into the actual process mm-hmm. um, and what that looked like for you. But it wasn't until I remember I, I was an intern. I was in uh, going into my last year of college mm-hmm. and me and the other interns decided to go to Six Flags mm-hmm. and I could not get on a ride. Because the seat wouldn't close. It happened to me. Uh, it's where, I mean, and I'm very bottom heavy. So even if you see me, like, of course it went over me. Mm-hmm. But the problem was it wouldn't click. Mm-hmm. Um, and then a part of me began to get scared because I was, I didn't even, I remember that day I didn't go on anything else. Because I'm like, well, what if these other rides really aren't securing me the way they need to be because of my size? Mm-hmm. Um and so, yeah, like I remember literally I, I held up the ride because he was trying to close it. Mm-hmm. And then eventually I was like, no, no, no worries. Like, I'll just get off and wait for my friends um, at the exit. Mm-hmm. But just not really ever having that experience as someone. Bitch, I grew up in Orlando. I was <laughs> yes. at Disney and Universal every other couple months. You know what I mean? Yeah. And so as an adult to be here at Six Flags and not be able to enjoy something as simple as a roller coaster. And I mean, you just said even hopping on flights became something that mentally affected how you felt about yourself Mm -hmm. and you view you thinking of how other people were viewing you. Mm -hmm. So these things reach your mind. You're not happy with yourself. You want to be a better person and feel better, not only for yourself, but for your child and your partner. Mm -hmm. So now you get approved. Yes. Can you explain to some people what takes part in the process before the actual surgery? So for for me, um, what that entailed was, um, of course, you go to your primary care doctor. They, you know, kind of set you on the path, right? They give you, they refer you to a surgeon. So I got my re- referral to the surgeon, and you know, you also want to make sure your insurance covers it and the the steps. So. I started my my official journey to the to my surgery date at the top of 2019. So let's say January, February. So January, I went to my doctor's appointment. February, I started coming in once a month for like a weigh in because for my insurance, you had to prove that you have been on some type of like consistent documented weight loss journey for at least six months so because they, they want to know like, are you trying or are you just trying to like get this, the surgery? What was what was your insurance, if you don't mind? Um, I have uh, Blue Cross Blue Shield Care Force. Okay, yeah. and at the time I had Medicaid. Mm-hmm. Uh, they didn't really require that, mm-hmm. but I also was right at the cusp of even being approved for this. So unlike TJ, um, I didn't have to prove sleep apnea or any of that because I actually met the BMI. Mm-hmm. 
Uh, so if you are within a certain range for BMI, you're automatically approved. But for me, they were like, listen, if you lose a little bit of weight, you won't qualify. But then if you gain weight, we won't think you're taking this serious. So you pretty much need to stay exactly where, you <laughs> where you're at until your surgery date. Yeah. My so imagine for me, like, I'm just like, okay, if I come in here and I'm going up, they're going to think I'm not taking this serious. But if I lose weight, they're then gonna take it they, from you. <laughs> they're going to take it from me. So it was stressful in that way. So you had to prove that you were trying to lose weight and document that, correct? Yeah, yes. So I had to okay. do that for at least six months. Um, okay. And like, you know, quite honestly, had it been a different time in my life, like, it, you know, even if I, I had done Weight Watchers in the past and, and lost weight on that. So even if I had like that documentation, I would have been fine. <clears throat> excuse okay. Me. But, <clears throat> excuse me, I'm sorry. Um, so the, so I would just, what I did was I was like, bet, I'm going to come in here once a month to my doctor, my primary care doctor. And I was like, I'm going to come in here once a month and I'm going to get, get on the scale. We're going to document it. And I'm going to send, you know, compile all my, my information. So I had to do that. I had to go to, um, an introduction, like an introductory seminar at the hospital. Um, and so I couldn't, like, you wouldn't even be considered for it if you didn't come to that. And I went to, so I went to that seminar then, um, in July, that was my sixth month of my weigh-ins. And basically once I had that documentation and I had to also speak to either like a licensed social worker or a psychologist to make sure that I was like doing it for the right reasons. So I had to get that done and get a letter and that survey filled out. Um, so like I did all this over the course of the six months and then in the sixth month, um, I submitted everything and then I had two more classes I had to attend. So I had to do my, and those came like rapid fire because basically July hit. And when I sent all this stuff off, my, um, insurance approved it like the same day. So the surgery scheduler called me and like, yes, sis, you're here for, you're coming in August 6th. And it was like the, the end of July. Oh wow! And so I had to go and go to the nutrition class with their, their nutritionist. And then I had to go to the pre-surgery class. Um, and some of these classes, they only offer like once a month or twice a month. So it's like, you have to go. It's not, you have to go. Yep. Yeah. So, um, it was kind of like, everything was kind of moving a little bit slow in the beginning. And then by the end of the six month, it was like in a, a two, three week span, I had like everything else knocked out. And then August, it was a Monday, I think a Monday or Tuesday of August 6th of 2019, I walked into the hospital and then we got it popping. So you during this process again you had 6 6 months leading up to it mm-hmm. um and i know myself i joined a lot of like instagram groups um so the vsg community mm-hmm. vsg weight loss all of these things were there was there anything that scared you before this surgery like anything that you feared I, and i'll share i had to which a lot of people ask and i'll ask you this in a little bit, but a lot of people are are scared. For me, for one, I was scared to get too skinny. Mm-hmm. There were people that, to me, lost so much weight. It drastically changed, to me, everything. And I've always been a thick, curvy girl. I think it's a part of who I am. Mm-hmm. So I knew I never wanted to get that small. The other thing that scared me, of course, which has been the number one question, was the fear of loose skin. Mm-hmm. Um. So you had your surgery. I want to do talk about remotely, but what were, were any of those fears on your mind pre-surgery? Um, yes and no. So I did have a, a fear about 
um, well, I think my biggest fear was like, well, what if this doesn't work? Like, what if I've gone through all of this and I'm still like, ah. like I'm still a hopeless, like a lost cause when it comes to weight loss. Um, I did worry a little bit about losing too much weight. So, but funnily enough, I think for me, and I, I think this kind of like speaks to, because I did this, I did this process with my, my husband. Right. So my fear was like, well, what if he loses all the weight and I don't lose enough? And, oh, and, so, okay. and like now, you know, it's working and we've kind of come across that. We've come to that point in our, in our journey. Um, but I'm handling a little bit better than I thought. So that's always good. But I, that was one thing I worried about. And then, um, I think I worried about in general, like, because it was surgery, because prior to that, now I did have a C-section with my daughter, but I kind of like, it wasn't planned. And so this was like my first real surgery that I was like going into knowing what it was and, you know, thinking about the recovery and everything else. Like, will I, will my, my mental strength match like the physical, like match what I need to do in order to achieve my like goals physically. So, well, and I think that that's, that's why they do make you go to the seminars. Mm-hmm. Uh, you do have to meet with a psychiatrist or not psychiatrist. I'm sorry. Psychologist, mm-hmm. psychiatrist prescribes medication medicine. Mm-hmm. But um it is because although this of course journey does include surgery it it takes so much discipline mm-hmm. and mental strength mm-hmm. that people do uh, and of course people were like oh well she cheated. A lot of people refer to this weight loss procedure as a cheat code when in fact it's probably still to this day one of the hardest things I feel like I've I've gone through it is a black ass lie to say that this is a cheat code because (laughs) when I think about how I felt especially like in the the first few months after like the struggle was so real and even like now like sometimes when I slip up like the way the the feeling of lousy that you feel when you like fuck up with too much when like you eat too much or you eat the wrong thing and like the the struggle that your body is like having internally is like there's no way this is no easy way out this is no cheat code this is like it is a tool and if you use the tool correctly it'll do what it needs to do but if you use it incorrectly it's not fun and then when you're healing like post-surgery yo that i oh my i was struggling and i'm and i'm ready to talk about that because i i do feel like Outside of, yeah, me, I just really wasn't eating anything. Like I couldn't eat meat for maybe the first five months. The only meat, what was, it was weird. I think pork, honestly, was the only thing that sat well with me. (laughs) Turkey, I threw up. Chicken, I threw up. Which is ironic because you would think pork is awful. Um, Red meat wasn't even an option because that takes so long to digest. Mm -hmm. Um, And of course, it, if if you guys are interested in this, you do like go the first, I think, six weeks is liquids only. Pretty much, yeah. Uh, then after that, it's blended food for yeah. another th- two weeks. Pureed. Then after that, it's another uh, only soft food. Mm-hmm. So soft food like scrambled eggs, ricotta bowls, um, yes. oatmeal, nothing but... And oatmeal may, may not have even been there because it's considered a carb. Mm-hmm. You also have to stay completely away from carbs. So... Outside of the eating struggles, and yes, I did experience dumping syndrome a little bit, yeah. which is when you feel you you eat more than you should have, and then you just become nauseous, and it's the worst feeling ever. Mm-hmm. But I remember 
a few months after you had your surgery, Danny, mm-hmm. uh, you and TJ hopped in a group chat with me to ask, you know, what my experience was because you didn't have the best experience post surgery. No, I didn't. So can you can you explain kind of what your experience was like and what you what you went through? Sure. So for me, um, I was kind of a, a little bit of like I was doing too much too fast as far as not necessarily like the food I was trying to take in, but like going back to work and stuff. So up until recently, I was a, a classroom teacher. I'm still in education, but I was I, I taught middle school science and you know, they were like, yeah, you can go back to work in like a week or two or whatever. So, but really I should have taken more time off. So, you know, I am still very much recovering from this major surgery and I'm also like limited. I'm supposed to be getting like all this protein in and all this, these liquids in, but I like one thing for me after I had the surgery is like, I barely wanted to eat or drink. Like I like Mm. food or, and like, I, I still don't fuck with soup to this day because it's so much broth and soup that you have in the beginning and everything is just, yes. is disgusting. I was so fed up, girl. I'm, I'm, I, I, and, the, and the protein shakes, bitch. Yeah. I'm over here trying to lose weight again. And I'm like, I can't even protein shakes. I don't even, I can't even, I, I never found a protein shake that I like my, like my, I don't know. And, and like, you I, didn't do premier pro I, or premier. I, I tried. Premier. I, tr- everything made me want to gag and, Ugh. And, you know, one thing that sometimes they don't talk about when you have this is that sometimes like, well, and Mandy is touching on it too with like what she could process, but also like even your palate, like the way things taste sometimes change after you have the surgery. And which I'm not going to lie. No one prepared me for that. Mm -hmm. Like you literally, the way you eat, like the things you crave, like, again, I, I guess that's the psychology of it, but those change or things that you thought you used to really enjoy eating no longer appeal to you. Yes. It's. And and so do you remember any of those exact foods that you experienced that with? So, um, in the beginning, so I, well, the first thing that pops into my mind is, um, actually soda. So for the first like six months, I mean, and again, like in the very beginning, you're really not touching coming near that stuff. And soda is not good for you anyway, but you know, I, I'm somebody who's like a casual soda drinker. Sometimes, honestly, I would drink it more like a Coke or a Pepsi when I had a headache or something like that. Cause you know, the caffeine kind of helps with that, but it would, it just tasted just all I could taste was like the carbonation, like none of the flavor. And I was like, this is dumb. So I'm not going to do this again. And it just like made, it just like sat in the pit of my stomach and in my chest. And it just like kind of hurt almost. So I do wonder if that's, um, and we could have that conversation as well, even off mic, but um, I feel like an old lady now. Sorry for anyone old and listening, but I'm still 29 and I literally carry around Pepsid with me. Um, my acid reflux post-surgery has been my struggle. Mm-hmm. Um, so anything with acid, which sucks because liquor and coffee are the top two. And I'm literally drinking coffee right now as you speak. <laughs> and anyone who knows me knows I may have an alcohol issue. But um, so as far as even acid, I've had to eliminate like tomatoes and spaghetti and in- anything with uh, that is acidic. Mm-hmm. I've been trying to remove even uh, like onions and vin- like almost everything that I really enjoy actually yeah. um, causes acid reflux to go and 
carbonated drinks do that as well. Mm-hmm. So that's that's definitely probably why you were experiencing that with the soda. Yeah, you know. And so I that was one big thing. And then and I'm also like I know I, and I know you and I have talked about this before, and yours is um, more of a struggle. But from one of my few kind of like leftovers or like side effects from the surgery is I do take like a Prevacid every morning without fail. I take um, a coleus every morning. And that's, and that's like, you know, not to be TMI, but that's a stool softener because, you know, some days are better with like getting in the right proteins and the right nutrients, but because your stomach is so small, you can only hold it so much. Like if you're too heavy on like the carbs or something like that on a given day, it could kind of slow things down a little bit when it comes to being regular. And so I take one of each every day just to make sure to kind of like stave off the the acid reflux or anything like that. Because if I take one a day, I'm usually straight. And like only if I'm like up super, super late, well, then it like kind of wear off and kick back up again. But well, then let's get into super TMI. <laughs> I remember I brought my mom up to help me with recovery, which, by the way, guys, I realized when she came up, it wasn't necessary. I was honestly back to work within the same week. Mm-hmm. Um, so the recovery time is not crazy. But I remember my mom. Have you, did you shit yet? Mm-hmm. Did you shit yet? I probably did not have a bowel movement in the number two for at least, uh, I want to say a week and a half to maybe two weeks after surgery. Yeah, I did like it took mm-hmm. it, it took a while for me to even have a number two. Yeah, because you don't even because you're not eating, so really there's nothing to like digest and process. Because like it's just it's so much going on, and then even when you are like it's liquids, it's it's you know freaking what's it yogurt, it's sugar free ice pops and sugar free Gatorade. Yeah. It's just oh my god, so it's not even really a lot to go off of. And then for me, like, so my dumbass one time, I hadn't gone in like almost a week. And I was, you know, they were like, you know, get the smooth move tea, or you could take a stool softener, or you could take a laxative. My stupid ass, like, I was like, I have to go, like, because I could feel it, but I couldn't, I wasn't going. And so I took, I pretty much like took one of everything. And then when, when it, did happen. I thought I was like, okay, I'll lay here for an hour. It'll kick in. I'll feel a little lousy for a couple hours and then I'll be good for work. That shit did not kick in until like three o'clock in the morning. And I was, I, I was. You praying. thought you was about to shit out your organs. Yes. Huh? I was praying. I, I threw, it came, it, it came out every which way it could come out. It came out and I was crying. And then I'm like, also trying to be quiet because I'm like, Tatum sleeping, TJ sleeping. So I'm like trying not to wake up my house either, but I'm literally like throwing up and pooping all at the same time. And like, it was just the most miserable feeling. I had to call out of work, but you know, but to to talk about like my recovery struggles was like, I really had a hard time just like having a, like the getting past the taste, like the taste of every, everything just tasted disgusting. And then, so I became progressively dehydrated, of course. Um, and then I'm, I'm working in a job where I'm a teacher. So I'm always up and about and moving around and regulating kids. So I'm having like trying to sip water or sip stuff. It's really hard to do in between like teaching middle school. So, um, I got increasingly dehydrated. And once I had to go to like patient first and go get like a, like an urgent care and I got some, um, uh, two bags of IV and then that helped for a little while, but then a week or so, or maybe two weeks went by and I was back to the point where I was so nauseous from dehydration that every, uh, like every couple of words I was gagging. 
and I couldn't eat because I was nauseous and I was nauseous. So I couldn't eat. And I went to my, I made an appointment with my surgeon and I got there and I'll never forget how, um, he didn't even bring me back to, and I love my surgeon. He didn't even bring me into the back room. He met me in the hallway because I ran to like the patient bathroom and was throwing up and they were gagging in there. And he was like, Danielle, he was like, I'm not even going to bother bringing you back here. It's very clear that you're dehydrated. He was like, I'm sending you to the emergency room and I'll check on you soon. Cause he was like, we want to make sure that it's just dehydration and not there's something wrong with the actual like surgery, the, the incisions right. and everything else. So I ended up spending the night in the hospital. Um, and they gave me some anti-nausea medicine through my IV and some fluids. And it was the, I can, I remember how it was like the best sleep I had had in like a month and a half because wow, I finally was able to like stop. I wasn't gagging every 10 minutes. So now, yeah. I, I do want to, for anyone listening to this mm-hmm. and they're not familiar with what the surgery does, mm-hmm. uh, let me, let me just share it with you. Uh, I know we're, we're late into this, but basically they go in with cameras, your actual stomach. So I don't want you to think lipo. I want you to think the organ that is the stomach. Mm-hmm. What they do is it is about the size of a football mm-hmm. flattened. What they do is they remove 80% of it Mm -hmm. and close it with staples Mm -hmm. to where now your stomach is about the size of a golf ball. And so why you have to go through about two months, maybe two and a half months of saw food is because hard food could puncture those staples and you don't want that to happen. No, yeah, that's why you can't have like grains and things like that because anything small, yes, you know, it's a wound. It's a wound for a while and it has to heal. But right, but you right. also, you know, you got to eat to live. So it's like you got to be really, really careful about what you put in there and very careful. Yeah, and I do want to say that my experience was, you know, my experience, and you know, TJ had was. Um, had a much better recovery. I was about to say, you're almost envious of it. Yes. Uh, I, we would be in the group chat and you're like, and TJ's fine and TJ's just dropping as all the weight and I'm over here struggling. Yeah. Um, and and I mean, I, 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 I bared with you because I also didn't have a, a negative experience. Mm-hmm. So I do want to, for anyone listening or considering this, everyone's experience is different, which is why... Um, I did not experience loose skin, um, but Danny, did you? Um, well, yes and no. So I mean, I've I've still have. So I'm, I still have like, I always say I have two stomachs, right? So I have, I still have like, uh, like fat or skin and things like that. It's not really as um, like loose as um, other people I've seen. But um, and I think I'm also still because I'm still on like my my journey of like losing the last like. 15 or so pounds I really need before I kind of can my surgeon said I'm good to stop. Right. Um, but I didn't really have that experience with loose skin. Now I already had like stretch marks and all the, you know, all that jazz as anyway. And so it's still there, but it's, um, it's not so much of like a, a noticeable thing. Um, I think, you know, TJ is a little bit dealing with it a little bit more than I am, but, um, it's not like the, the worst, the worst case scenario with that when it comes to like loose skin, but I have, um, I feel like I do have kind of like bat wings more. Cause even though like I've lost the weight in my arms, like that, that is a little bit, maybe I would say the only place I have like kind of like noticeable loose skin, but it's not like 
to the point where I'm worried, like I'm super worried about it right now, if that makes sense. Same. So you're, you're not considering cosmetic surgery, like tummy tucks or snipping of skin at all. Not until after I'm done having kids. Okay. So I'm like, I'm not going to waste my time and energy and money. (laughs) Um, And so once I'm closing up shop, when it comes to babies, then I will, um, I think I will consider maybe like a tummy tuck. And so just so people too, um, who are listening again, I shared my height and, and the lowest that I had gotten, Mm -hmm. what was, what has been the difference in your highest weight Mm -hmm. and how much you've been able to drop since surgery? So the day I walked into surgery, I was 300 pounds even, and that was the largest I had ever been in my entire life. And, um, right now I live somewhere around 215. So, um, so about 80, was that 85, 85, 85 pounds. Um, and my surgeon wants me to get to, basically he wants me to get to 200 and he was like, you should stop. Um, and, and how tall are you? I'm five, seven. Okay. So, so yeah, so I'm, I'm like almost there. I was kind of like really rocking and rolling like the weight. I wasn't even trying and the weight was falling off and then COVID happened and you know, I went from being uh, a classroom teacher where even on my, my easiest days, I'm always like walking around and moving and everything else to now I'm working from home. And so food is at my disposal and I'm not moving around as much because there's really no place for me to go. Um, so that's where like, I've kind of like had the, I've gone, I've gone up to 220 and then I've gone back down to 215 and I've gotten down to 212, 211. And then I, so I kind of keep kind of going back and forth with it. Um, but I am immensely grateful that I did this surgery when I did because the, you know, five, six pound window that I've just kind of been playing around with since um, everything kind of really shut down, that would have been 15, 20, 25 pounds if I hadn't had the surgery. Right. So I'm same. Um, and, and even I would say back to the physiological, uh, uh, you know, things that happen after this. Mm-hmm. It's definitely heightened my anxiety mm-hmm. um, with seeing like I've had an eight pound <laughs> flux. So mm-hmm. I, I'm actually and I'm total it's about 12 because I'm I'm back into the 160s. Mm. Um, but it's something where now my anxiety has just risen because I do fear, oh my God, what if I hit the 170s? What if I get back to 180s? Yes. What if, you know, and is that something that you're experiencing as well? Definitely. Anxiety? A hundred thousand percent. Yes. Because I'm like, I got, I've gotten so far, you know, and the the thing about it too, is that I've, I've come so far, but then I have to own that. Like the weight that I have lost so far, it was so like, unconscious. Like I wasn't even, it was literally because I can't eat as much. It wasn't, I wasn't, I haven't really been like hitting the gym hard or anything like that. So it's just been like, it's been falling off because simply because my stomach is smaller and it's been doing what it's supposed to do because I'm taking in less food. So therefore I'm losing weight. But now it's just like, this has been a a wake up call to me. It's like, no, Danny, you have to also like put in work to make this work for you. And like, yeah, I've been walking lately. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's, it's forced portion control. Mm-hmm. And that's literally all this surgery does. Like it doesn't just, you know, it, people are like, oh my, you know, it, how it works is that's what it is. Like you just cannot take in as much food as the normal person would take in. Yeah. And so you literally just shed the weight because you're literally not taking in as many sugars, as many fats, mm-hmm. as many carbs. Mm-hmm. It's that simple. Yep, exactly. And 
it's so now like this time is, has been, you know, my wake up call to be like, all right, I have to also like make sure I'm putting in the work and doing, doing the things because, you know, one thing I do want to definitely make sure I highlight before we wrap up is when you have the surgery, it really, it put on the forefront and really clarified for me anyway, my relationship with food and like mm. the, my mental relationship with food, because even with a sleeve, even with the fact that I've lost 85 pounds, even with the fact that I can't eat as much, like my brain will sometimes be like, you're bored. Why don't you go check and see what's in the cabinet? You're tired or you, and it's just like, why Danny? Like, why the hell? Like, you know, you know, you're not hungry. And so it's like, it's literally, it's a battle of like my brain versus my body sometimes where I have to make sure that like my, I have to, not only do I have to work on like the physical part of it, but I have to continually work on myself as far as my own personal relationship with food, because food has been such a source of comfort for me when I've been, when I've been confused or stressed or tired or, or scared and, you know, and I'll be damned, you know, this is a hell of a time not to have those feelings, right? With everything going on in the world. So I have to like really be mindful of why am I picking up certain things to eat or drink? And what am I, you know, what am I doing? Am I making the best decision? Because right. even with the physical surgery, even with the, the sleeve and the, the physical changes, if anyone is ever considering doing this, you really need to also evaluate your mental like relationship with food and your your body and your diet and things like that because that doesn't also that doesn't get worked on in surgery that's your own work you got to do well you did it right there normally we do uh i i, I would ask you to leave off with a tip mm-hmm. or a bit of advice to anyone considering the surgery and even if you're not considering the surgery do you have some sort of advice to someone who is struggling with how they view themselves and their weight Um, and, and, you know, what would you have to say to those people? Um, I would have to say to anyone who is struggling with their personal views of themselves as it pertains to their weight is to, you know, real talk for any reasons, go to therapy because then you can start to get at the bottom of what it is that's really like at the root of why you're struggling with your weight. And I mean, sometimes it is something physical. There's no, there's nothing else there, you know, because people have thyroid issues and so on and so forth. But if there's like a real like mental, internal, emotional connection to your to food, you know, it's about examining what that is and, and getting to the root and understanding that everybody's weight loss journey is different. And yep. while your homegirl might have done it because she did Herbalife and hit the gym 10 times a week doing CrossFit, yours might be the sleeve or vice versa. But it's really this it's not a race, it's a marathon. And it's about doing what's best for you. And don't let anyone else tell you different. I love that. Well, Danny, where can any of our listeners um, catch you and even maybe hear more from you? And, and I know you and TJ have a show together. So mm-hmm. let, let my audience know where they can listen to you. Yes. So we, myself and my husband, TJ, we make up the Lover's Quarrel podcast. So you can find us on all streaming um, podcast streaming platforms. And um, you can follow us on Instagram at Lovers Quarrel Show. And you can follow us on Twitter at Lovers Quarrel 7. And of course, if you have any more questions for me or TJ, because um, we do bring you know the different perspectives on our experiences with VSG as well as everything else in life, um, you can email us at loversquarrelshow at gmail.com. New episodes drop on Mondays. Um, so yeah. Oh, so y'all can listen to it right after this. Yes, you can. 
that's, that's <laughs> and all find of us. that information will be, yeah, it'll, well, I'll, I'll go ahead and make sure all of that information is in the description of this episode as well. Thank you. All right. Well, Danny, thank you so much for joining me and having this conversation. I know so many people have been asking and are curious about both of our journeys. Mm-hmm. Um, so thank you for sharing in this with me. It is my pleasure. Um, and make sure everyone, thank you. And stay tuned because I am going to drop some stats and facts as always right after this. Bye. Bye. So I truly hope that we were able to answer a lot of maybe the concerns that some people may Uh, be considering weight loss surgery, uh, kind of how we felt. Again, we both had different post-op experiences. But to this day, again, I felt like I was able to reclaim myself. I was able to reclaim the confidence that I know I portrayed on the outside, but was not there on the inside. And I do feel like it was still, like I said, one of the best decisions that I've made in my life. Um, And also, I, I Not to say that if you are uh, heavier that you're not healthy, but this genuinely was um, a way for me to feel healthier, to feel better. I honestly didn't feel great. Um, So for any of you guys researching it, I just want to give the tips again that on Instagram, there are communities. You can hashtag them. uh, Hashtag VSG journey. Hashtag VSG community. uh, Hashtag VSG, I think just period. And what you can do is you can see a whole bunch of recipe ideas. You can see a lot of people who underwent the same surgery as Danny and I. Um, I'm just really glad to kind of have shared this again, uh, with someone who also went through the same process and we kind of gave, you know, a little bit of what made us feel the way we did when we were, you know, bigger than we would have liked, how it affected us. Um, not only with how we viewed ourselves, but in our relationships in the bedroom, I definitely would love a part two to talk about how your weight essentially affects how you feel in the bedroom. Um, but yeah, I really hope that you guys enjoyed this week's episode. Please don't forget to follow us on Instagram at official box owner. Also, if you have not yet, if you have not yet joined the mailing list, go to officialboxowner.com and join the mailing list. We're about to start our newsletter and also you will get up to date updates as far as when we will be launching box number two. I'm completely excited because we have all of the products and brands that are going to be in box number two and are already working on box number three. So please, again, that's officialboxowner.com. Make sure you join our mailing list. You don't want to miss out on any of our subscription boxes. Also, follow me everywhere at Full Court Pumps. This is your host, Mandy B. I genuinely hope you enjoyed this week's episode. It was another tale of womanhood, and I'm going to bring it to you every motherfucking week right here on Period Sis. So thank you guys, and until next week. week, week, week. I don't think I can ever be a size two, and I don't, I'm okay with that. I don't want to be a size two anymore. And also, you know, the number on the scale, I would get really, really hung up on that. Like, oh, well, I used to weigh this, so that's how much I want to weigh now. And like I keep mentioning, when I was younger, I looked awesome, but a big part of why I couldn't realize that was because I was focused on being a certain number on the scale or being a certain size. Meanwhile, if I would have stopped thinking about all of those things 
and stopped comparing how I looked next to someone else and just looked at myself in the mirror, I could have realized, wow, I look really good. Good, 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 good.